going on, family? Happy Monday, and welcome to another edition of The Faction Quick Hits. I'm your man, GB Gerard Bonner, and I hope you guys are doing well. I hope you've had a great weekend, and you're ready to kick off a brand new week in your world and in the world of pro wrestling. Got to give a big shout out to everybody who has joined us by way of social media, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, at The Faction Show. We really appreciate you. Those who rock with us via podcast as well, thank you so much. I want to apologize. We kind of went a week with no podcast, which is a little unusual, but in light of some of the circumstances that were happening last week, I just thought it was appropriate uh, to just kind of chill for a bit. Don't worry, though, because we've got some great content coming to you this week. I promise you, you don't want to miss it. Some fantastic things. Once again, we're shouting out our good brother, Brandon Clark and his amazing family and uh, they are on the road to recovery and we are excited for them but certainly send your thoughts your prayers good vibes good vibrations to them in this very unique time for them with that said there's a lot of pro wrestling nuggets to hop on and so I'm going to try to hit as many things as I can in the time that we have I want to start with this If we go back to Double or Nothing for AEW, which, by the way, they've had a lot going on in AEW. Double or Nothing, huge event for them. And one of the things that happened there amongst so many details was a surprising and shocking debut of Leo Rush as the 21st entrant into the Casino Battle Royale. He did not spend a lot of time in there. In fact, when he was eliminated, it caused an injury which put him on the shelf. That injury has caused him to announce his second retirement from wrestling. And I say second because if you'll remember about a year or so ago, he retired after being released from WWE. This time, he says, you know, looking at the injury, the injury was very, very challenging for him, made some basic life things difficult for him. And so he decided this is no longer the way for him to go. Here's my thought. A couple of things. Number one, you have to know the limitations of your body, right? Like you just have to know that. Secondly, I think it's important to understand this. The world of pro wrestling is not ballet. Injuries do happen. Now, do you have to continue to put your body on the line? There's nothing requiring that. I will say that I think he is wildly talented as a wrestler who I think was really starting to see how life could be post-WWE. Of course, he had wrestling life pre-WWE, but I don't think he ever got to the status that he potentially could. And I think the WWE run was good for him simply because it put him in front of more eyes. And now it gives him the opportunity to have greater bargaining chips when he goes to places like MLW or New Japan or AEW. And he had a very unique situation where he was going to be able to work pretty much all three. But he's opting not to. And so with that, I say, make the best decision for yourself, Leo Rush. I certainly was looking forward to seeing what you would do in AEW. And I just say, hopefully, hopefully you're able to find success in whatever the next chapter of life may hold for you. Speaking of AEW, one of the big things that happened over the last couple of weeks is the debut of 
Andrade El Idolo. We know him as Andrade Cien Almas, former NXT champion, former United States champion, who did quite a bit in WWE. Many can also think about the tumultuous last few months of his run in WWE, how happy so many were that he was able to be granted his release, and him being an AEW is a game-changing moment. I guess the big question now is, what happens for El Idolo? Certainly many are looking forward to a potential battle between he and Kenny Omega, perhaps for the AEW World Championship. I will say this, one of the mistakes that happens, WWE does it, AEW has done it, is giving somebody a world title run or opportunity too soon. It is possible. One of the shining examples when I think of it is when Scott Steiner came to WWE. Scott Steiner immediately was catapulted to the world title picture against Triple H. Never won the world title. Never really reached that main event status again. So I think that they have to be careful with how they use Andrade. I think there are plenty of matches that would work. Can you imagine Andrade and Ray Phoenix or Andrade and Penta El Cero Miedo? Like, you could have so many amazing matches. Him and Pac, right? Like, just, oh gosh, the possibilities are endless. Let's exhaust those before we move on to Kenny Omega. Because again, if you get too much too soon, We don't really appreciate it in the world of pro wrestling. So shout out to Andrade. Intriguing introduction by Vicky Guerrero. I think it caught a lot of people off guard. And I'm really, really glad it happened in front of a live audience. Speaking of a live audience, that live audience drew, believe it or not, a record low viewership for Dynamite. One would have thought that with Mark Henry showing up, Andrade showing up, et cetera, et cetera, it would have made a major move for them. But they brought in 462,000 viewers, which was 12% down from the previous week at 526,000. And while we don't have the numbers for this week's episode of Dynamite, I can say this. I think it's safe to say that Dynamite on Friday night is not working, right? Friday night, 10 p.m. Eastern is a very difficult time slot. Now, I think that they are also testing that since that's going to be the time slot for AEW Rampage. But Dynamite belongs on Wednesday night. And I think once it gets back to Wednesday night, and I don't see that happening for the foreseeable future, because again, I believe next week is going to be a Friday night and the week after is going to be a live show on a Saturday night. And then from there, they're going on the road. So really, we're not going to see AEW Dynamite on Wednesday night until July. So there's the great potential that they'll suffer through some tough, tough ratings, but they're doing what they've got to do. I'll also say this. If you watched AEW Dynamite this week, you'll notice that it was again taped. And I say again because they had a few live shows, but this one was taped and they went back to the old taped format in terms of the staging and things of that nature. Only the wrestlers were around the ring for this one. And interestingly enough, for those of you who may have caught Impact's Against All Odds pay-per-view this weekend, I thought it was really interesting that the world title match for the Impact World Championship happened in Jacksonville and not in Nashville. I didn't watch the whole thing, so I can't exactly speak to all of it, 
But I can tell you, that's a weird one. Very interesting. And nobody really thought that Moose would go into Jacksonville on AEW home turf and win the Impact World title. Lots to be done and talked about when you look at that. With that said, folks, SmackDown took place this past Friday night. And SmackDown was interesting as it's definitely setting some things up for Hell in a Cell. SmackDown brought in 1.853 million viewers, which is up from last week's 1.792 million viewers. Of course, things centered around Roman Reigns now getting ready to face Rey Mysterio at the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view in a Hell in a Cell match. Of course, there's still more drama unfolding with Roman and the bloodline. Cesaro returned. Interesting stuff for sure. I will just throw this out here and say I have absolutely no interest in Roman Reigns versus Rey Mysterio uh, for the title, not for the title, in a Hell in a Cell. I mean, they've got a tough task ahead of them. Now, if they can pull off what Kenny Omega, Pac, and Orange Cassidy did at Double or Nothing, then I think that's a win. Because going into that title match, I had absolutely no interest in that, and the match was so good. I don't know that Mysterio versus Roman Reigns will do that. Considering how Roman Reigns literally powerbombed Dominic Mysterio and launched him, it was just unbelievable. If you haven't seen SmackDown or the clips from that, it's worth watching just to see how Roman Reigns literally launched Dominic Mysterio over the top rope in a powerbomb. It was nuts to say the least. So I don't know. This should be interesting. I don't have a lot of interest right now in Hell in a Cell just because nothing has really popped off that made me go, I got to see that. So this is going to be interesting to say the least. But all of this, of course, is leading to WWE heading back on the road in July. We're going to put on the best show of the year tonight. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, man. He's right. Oh, my God. He got it. Oh, my God. God. Listen to this place! The killer weight has returned! That's Rekka Tahaka! Oh my god! Oh man! When is the last time you've been in front of a megastar of this caliber? For the first time in SHW history, we are going to experience a bunkhouse brawl match. No! Minimo! No! Oh! Oh look out! Yes! a picture of our future. Speaking of on the road and WWE, we're going to get into NXT TakeOver in your house in just a few minutes, but some New Japan news for you. We haven't talked New Japan very much, but last week, a seminal moment in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. As we talked about before, the former IWGP World Heavyweight Champion being Will Ospreay had to, of course, relinquish that championship as a result of injury. And one of the interesting things that's happened is Kazuchika Okada has actually made the statement that he believes that this new IWGP championship is, quote, cursed as the first champion, of course, being Kota Ibushi lost in his first title defense and lost that to Will Ospreay. Will Ospreay gets a singular title defense before injuring his neck. And so interestingly enough, how would that championship be decided? 
It was a match at New Japan Dominion in Osaka Joe Hall last week between, ironically, Kazuchika Okada and Shingo Tagaki that would determine the new IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. And congratulations to Shingo Tagaki, who becomes the third IWGP World Heavyweight Champion by defeating Kazuchika Okada in 36 minutes and 6 seconds. Now, time will only tell if indeed the title is cursed, uh, but I'm looking forward to this reign from Shingo Tagaki, and of course, you can watch all of that at njpwworld.com. Now then, to last night, NXT TakeOver in your house. The latest pay-per-view offering coming from NXT. Now, I will warn you that there will be some spoilers here, so if you've not watched it, you may want to hit pause on this podcast and return to it after you've watched, or the flip side to it, if you're not really that concerned or you've already seen it or you've seen the spoilers, then this isn't a spoiler for you. With that said, let's run down some results and then talk about our thoughts on NXT TakeOver in your house. It kicked off with the North American champion Bronson Reed and the tag team champions MSK successfully defending their titles in a winner-take-all match, defeating Legado del Fantasma. Zaya Lee defeats Mercedes Martinez. LA Knight defeated Cameron Grimes to win the Million Dollar Championship in a ladder match. Raquel Gonzalez successfully defended her title against Ember Moon. And Karrion Cross is still your NXT champion after defeating Kyle O'Reilly, Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano, and Pete Dunne in a fatal five-way. So I've got a lot of thoughts on NXT TakeOver. I, I do, first of all, want to watch it again because it's NXT TakeOver. That's just what you do. You watch it again. Uh, first of all, shout out to Zia Lee, who I think had a huge TakeOver debut and a massive win over Mercedes Martinez, gaining really some degree of revenge after what happened four years ago in the Mae Young Classic. I think Zia Lee is really being set up to win in a big, big way, and I like what's happening with her. I think she's a star, a real star in the making, and I like seeing where this could potentially go, this whole uh, Tian Sha situation. Very, very intriguing, so shout out to her. Let me just also say this. Bronson Reed and MSK are a great six-man team. MSK is special. Really, really special. And I know some people like to make comparisons between AEW and NXT, and some might even want to call MSK NXT's version of the Young Bucks. I disagree because they were doing quite a bit as the Misfits over in Impact. But these guys, they just have it. They are a well-oiled machine. And I will go so far as to say I actually like them better than the Young Bucks because all of their movements actually make sense. It's not just the flip for the flip's sake. There is purpose behind their moves. They work well as a well-oiled machine. And I don't see them losing the tag team championships anytime soon. Bronson Reed just has it. And I'm enjoying his reign as the NXT North American champion. I do think at some point Legado Del Fantasma will grab all of those belts. But what a match last night. I really, really enjoyed seeing that. The Million Dollar Championship match, man, you can't go wrong with a ladder match. And I really think we are seeing 
the rise of LA Knight and Cameron Grimes in the NXT world. Both of them fighting for this million dollar championship. And I just have to say, I think there's a great degree of wisdom with NXT reaching back for something that is unique and pulling it forward. One of the things that they have done very, very well is grabbed old concepts and make the old new again, be it things like war games or the great American bash, or, you know, even this in your house situation, they have taken the old and they've made it new again. They've made us really care about the sport of wrestling. And again, adding some depth to the Million Dollar Championship, the Million Dollar Championship, you could argue, has more depth now than it did when it was in circulation, because at that point, it was just Ted DiBiase's way of wearing a title. But they did a great job of having him explain what the championship represents, that it means more than just money, but it means being kind of the best worker in the business, which there's a lot to be said for that. So shout out to LA Knight. I think we're going to be seeing a nice war between him and Cameron Grimes over time. Speaking of that, Raquel Gonzalez defeating Ember Moon. I thought they had a pretty solid match, which saw the return of Shotzi Blackheart as well. Pretty excited about that. I think Raquel Gonzalez has a huge upside to her, and so we're getting to watch her really develop, and I think that may be one of the themes of this NXT TakeOver, is that we're seeing the development and the growth of new stars in NXT that are being solidified, be they Zia Lee, Cameron Grimes, LA Knight. Bronson Reed, MSK, Raquel Gonzalez, Karrion Cross, all of your winners for the most part are really stars that are being developed. And I think that's what this NXT takeover was used to do. So let's talk about Karrion Cross as the NXT champion. I mentioned this in a couple of uh, private text messages, but I think it's worth mentioning publicly. When Karrion Cross first won the NXT championship last year against Keith Lee, I was really for it. He was a monster with a mystique. He lost that championship really by way of forfeit because of an injury. When he came back, he was intimidating, but then he started talking. And I don't like humanizing monsters. I didn't like when they did it with Kane. I honestly didn't like it when they did it with The Undertaker. I wasn't crazy about it when they did it with Bray Wyatt. Monsters are not to be humanized. They are monsters. Let them be monsters. Let's live with the mystique of that. I think a lot of the mystique of Karrion Cross is gone. And what's also interesting to me is I don't know that I realized how much bigger Karrion Cross legitimately is than most of the other guys in NXT. It's safe to say that NXT has gone with the smaller wrestler as champion, which makes sense because they work really well. So that makes bigger men stand out even more. Karrion Cross is about 265, which certainly in Raw and SmackDown world would kind of make him average. But in the NXT world, he's a monster and he does stand head and shoulders physically above the rest. He does get to overpower a lot of other people. But I will say this, and I'm almost ashamed to say this on record I am the least excited about his title reign that I've been for any NXT champion and I don't necessarily want this to be a long reign if it's going to be a longer reign and we've got to deal more with carrying cross then there's got to be some improvements made to carrying cross other than that I don't know this is going to be a 
tough, tough title reign if he continues to talk and that talking doesn't get better. So I don't know what we do about Karrion Cross, but he is currently the NXT champion. If we can bring the mystique back to him outside of his entrance, then I'm cool with it. Other than that, I'm ready to see someone else as the NXT champion, and I'm all for longevity, but I'm not too crazy about this, and I would have been good with almost anybody else in that match last night winning the championship. So, of course, this leads us to Tuesday for NXT, which looks to be interesting. It looks to me like the general manager... William Regal may be stepping down or maybe looking for a replacement based on some of the things that happened last night and really over the last couple of weeks. If that's the case, who becomes the replacement? It's weird. Like, I like longstanding general managers, particularly when they have the respect of a William Regal. I don't know that I want him out of that position. I don't know who takes the position, but it'll be very interesting to see what happens if they indeed go that route, which we'll find out tomorrow night. Now, tonight, you've got Monday Night Raw, and Monday Night Raw has really been struggling in the ratings, so we've got to figure out what can be done. Tonight is the go-home show for Monday Night Raw for Hell in a Cell, so it'll be interesting to see what develops from this. Certainly, we'll be talking about that more throughout the week, and I'm going to go because, well, I told you it'd be a little longer because we had a little bit of ground to cover, but I'm going to get out of here. With that said, stay connected to us by way of social media because we've got a lot of cool content coming this week, so stay connected and be on the lookout for that. If you've got some things you'd like for us to talk about, hit us up on the socials and let us know in our comment section as well, and we'll certainly get to talking about that. All right, guys, we're going to get out of here. Until next time, family, representing for my good brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and the fourth horseman, John Murray. My name is Gerard Bonner, and this is The Faction. Have a great day.